This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Working for a Living, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by host David Fillion, and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Jeff Brown this evening is uh, a little bit under the weather, uh, and uh, he's asked not to be on the show this evening, uh, and hope he's feeling better. You know, we, uh, uh, we rely on Jeff quite a bit, and that's uh, uh, something that uh, we dearly miss him on the show this evening. Hope he's feeling better, Jeff. Shout out to you, uh, as I know we're, you're listening to the show, uh, even though you're not on. Thanks a lot, brother. Uh, having said that, uh, let's get into the announcements. Uh, first one is uh, Honeywell workers remain locked out by the plant management, and there is still no strategy forthcoming from Solidarity House in dealing with this rogue corporation. Although the local union has reported that some of its members have been receiving notices of unemployment approvals. So in regard to that, things are looking up a little bit. Of course, last week you heard us report that the Indiana governor that's been holding up these unemployment uh, paychecks for our checks for our uh, members there in Indiana at South Bend uh, is the vice presidential candidate on the Republican ticket. So that wasn't voting all that well for him. Um, uh, the uh, second issue was uh, the announcement was Art Peterson has forwarded his appeal to the next and last appeal step internal to the UAW, that being the Public Review Board. Uh, upon uh, review at the Public Review Board and, and uh, decision, uh, if it's favorable for Art, uh, then that uh, we'll just uh, see to it that he uh, uh, gets what he's after. If not, then chances are it's going to go outside. That's unfortunate. Uh, this week, the third announcement, this week it was reported that 75% of all manufacturing jobs are in right-to-work states. Uh, we have one email. Uh, thank goodness. It seems our prayers have been answered. No extra nor extraordinary life loss this week from Herb in Florida, who started writing us quite a bit uh, after they had their own problem uh, at that bar in uh, where a lot of people got massacred in Florida. And Herb's been with us, not every week, but uh, quite a bit. So thanks, Herb, for coming on, or come writing in to us. We really appreciate that. No other emails. Uh, we had some things. Twitter always sends us something uh, to update us on what they're doing, but nothing from the, the, the listeners beyond that. So if, if you feel free... Uh, if you feel so inclined, feel free to uh, write in uh, working for a living at workingforaliving.com is our email address. Um, next up is this week in worker news. Uh, and before I get into the topics of labor in the news this week, I'd like to remind everybody of Aristotle's statement. A problem defined is a problem half solved. Having said that, uh, let me get uh, our co-host this evening, uh, Jeff, or I'm sorry, David Fillion, uh, get him online here tonight, and uh, hello, David, can you hear us? Yep, hear I can. Leroy, you've got to adjust your uh, headset. Oh, okay. You sound, uh, sound a little far away. Okay, I know you. you've talked. All right. There you go, there you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know sorry that, about that. I know that kind yeah. of, I know that slips on you often. Um, yeah, this headset head yeah, head does. I apologize. Yeah. Yeah. I hope everybody was I'll able to hear what I just said. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. You were saying yeah. you hope Jeff was? Yeah. I was saying that I hope Jeff will feel better. Um, I know he has um, some issues with um, 
his illness, so I hope that uh, um, he gets to feeling better and gets some sleep and um, gets around um, what he needs to do. Um, well, yeah, glad to hear about Art Peterson. Yeah, go ahead. Glad to hear about Art Peterson um, moving forward with his appeal. Um, he's doing a good job with that, and uh, hopefully the public review board will um, side with Art. Um, he's done a lot of work on it for the Ford workers. Um, I'm in, I'm in support of him 100. percent I I am as well, David. And with regard to Art. We did put up a template last week so that people could support him in his effort. And uh, there was a number of people that already mailed him in and got their response back. I believe you're one of those that posted your response back from the Public Review Board. Is that not correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. I, I mailed it in, and uh, it came back relatively quickly. Um, so, um they probably have a bunch more um, responses to send out because there's a lot of people out there in support of Art Peterson. Yes, there are. Uh, and Brother Peterson, we are, you know, there's a debt of gratitude from the membership that's owed to you for all the hard work you're doing. And we know you're taking a little flack for doing it, but you're hanging in there. So, you know, Art, we uh, we really appreciate everything you're doing, not just from the show we are, we're hearing that from other members as well. So thank you, Art. Uh, so uh, having said that, uh, uh, anything else you want to comment in general, David? Uh, no. Um, maybe okay. just that uh, it seems like uh, whenever somebody speaks up and they're right, they get a lot of flack. Always been that way, always will be. Um that's just the nature of the beast, but we get by. Correct. Correct. Uh, so having said that, uh, David, I believe you're uh, prepared to talk about the uh, Oshawa, uh, Canada. Yeah, issue. I am. And, uh, Je- Je- Jeff was going to cover that, or I mean, yeah, Jeff was going to cover it, but David's uh, done a little research, so uh, he's up to speed on that. And go ahead, David, the Oshawa, Canada plant. Okay. Well, as we know, um, up there, our brothers and sisters in Canada, and uh, I really do still consider them our brothers and sisters. Um, they're uh, going into negotiations this fall, and uh, there's some issues up there um, in Oshawa um, with their plant. They have a consolidated line, and they have a flex line there. Um, the consolidated line um, currently is building overflow supply of the uh, Equinox. Um, that's a mid-sized crossover vehicle. Um, the new one, um, I believe, is going to be built at the Cami plant in Ontario. Um, that's Equinox is a popular vehicle. So hopefully they're not going to be able to build enough of those on uh, that old, that on that Cami uh, line, and then um, that uh, overflow production can go to um, their consolidated line, and it's possible that that could go on for some time. Um, let's hope that's the case. Um, in the case of Oshawa's flex line. They build a Regal there. They build a Chevrolet Impala and a Cadillac XTS. That should stay open beyond 17. Um, that's going to depend on talks with the labor union, um, Unifor. Um, unlike the consolidated line, this flex line is up to date, and it's capable of building multiple platforms of vehicles. Now, those Jerry Diaz, unlike Dennis Williams, well, in my opinion, um, this is my opinion, made a terrible mistake in allowing production to leave the United States and go into Mexico, and I'm particularly talking about the Chevrolet Cruze hatchback. Um, 
that should have never happened, and he should have struck General Motors to keep that car here in the United States. But then again, you know, we don't like to talk about politics and um, to show. Um, we also know the Clintons are in support of the TPP. Um, they may say they're not. But I believe they are. Um, I know you don't like to talk about politics on the show, but that is my opinion. Um, if that was Jerry Diaz, I would be talking to General Motors about that Chevrolet Cruze that uh, General Motors let go. And uh, that flex line that they have, like I said, it can build multiple platforms. Um Quite possibly that cruise to go down that line. Uh, um, in Mexico, the uh, greenback or the Mexican peso against the, the dollar is almost 17 to the greenback. Just over 13 years ago, it's been that long. As they have also made the country more appealing for the U.S. manufacturers at least in the short term, by reducing its relative cost. Now, there is a downside here. The shipping costs from Mexico, they remain high. And there's also another issue in Mexico, unreliable sources of energy. Canada has none of those problems. Um, I think the shipping costs from Canada to the United States are relatively low. I don't think they have any issues up there with energy. Also, they have, not to their advantage, a health care system that puts them at an advantage. Um, if I was Jerry Diaz, I would be looking at striking um, General Motors and asking for that Chevrolet Cruze. Um, they also up there lost the Camaro, and that car came to my home plant where I retired from. Um, my co-workers that I used to work with are happy um, for the product that um, they received, the product allocation. But at the same time, um, I'm of a mind that just like here, um, we have family and children and homes. People in Canada, our brothers and sisters up there, they're no different than us. And they need a product up there. And uh, I would support Jerry Diaz to strike General Motors and take a look at that Chevrolet Cruze hatchback that Dennis Williams was willing to concede to Mexico, which was a stupid thing to do. And again, that's my opinion. And I believe it's the opinion of many of our members. Um, uh, we have a guy running our union that never built one car. And I don't believe that... Uh, that should be the case. Um, anybody running our union needs to understand what it's like to work on the assembly line. And uh, I don't believe that man ever built one car. So um, that's my opinion of uh, what's going on up there in Canada right now. And uh, I wish them the best. And uh, if they strike up there, they certainly have the support of this show. I'm sure of that. You got anything, Leroy? Well, I, I agree with you, covered? David. No, I, I I agree with you on the uh, the issue that they have support of this show. Uh, we had Lindsay uh, on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and we really appreciated her coming on and giving us a little up up. Uh, date and some insight into what's going on in Canada, and and uh, she's uh, one that wants to hold a strong line against uh, these Detroit Three companies in Canada that are attempting to take the work to a third uh, world country country that's in NAFTA, and there quite simply, as we talked last week, should have been some protections within NAFTA, maybe a sliding scale uh, where they start off low, but that uh, uh, scale, the sliding scale would be to our minimum wage. So until they reached our minimum wage or 
some variation thereof, maybe the highest minimum wage in the country, uh, then that sliding scale would go away. In other words, we'd input the amount of money into their products and quite simply give it back to them so they couldn't dump those products here. Uh, you heard us talk about that last week. Uh, so right. uh, that, that that hurts, you know, here in the United States, and it hurts in Canada that they were, we're com- uh, competing with, with wages that are, you know, third world wages in the North American free trade agreement. Now, I don't know if that's free trade, uh, but, you know, let's talk about fair trade. That was still a pretty good deal that they could build a lot of plants down there, even if they had that sliding scale where they input the cost of the labor as it would be at the lowest level in our countries uh, onto their products in Mexico. And then we don't keep the money. We just send it back to them so they can improve their infrastructure and their, their uh, power supply systems, their, their uh, EPA, you know, environmental protection uh, elements of their country so that they can keep these plants safe for the pre- workers and members in them and the general community at large. We talked about the Makia doors last week having a problem with births that were deformed. So uh, having said that, I agree with you, David, that there needs to be a strong line held against these Detroit 3 about taking products down to Mexico. So uh, having said that, um, the uh, next issue up uh, is um, uh, the issue of uh, Michigan Governor Snyder uh, on the Flint water. Uh, it was in the front page of the uh, Detroit Free Press again today where a 48-year-old woman uh, was talking about she's worried about the long-term effects on her, her life and the life of her children because of the lead that they ingested due to the... Um, uh, you know, I hate to say malfeasance, but I guess that's what it was. You know, they just they didn't do what they were supposed to do over there in the Flint area regarding this uh, water. Uh, the out county areas are not affected because they have a different water system, but the Flint water system uh, they didn't need to do what they were doing. They had plenty of good water, but they wanted to cut costs a little bit, and that really really put the people in in Flint in uh, a a bad way. They ingested a lot of lead, and uh, that's uh, something that's long-term not good for you, and it it affects your memory mostly, especially in young children, and other things that I'm just not uh, appraised of. Uh, And I guess probably some of them aren't appraised of either. They just simply don't know what what is coming their way. on uh, the uh, 6th of April of this year, uh, Governor Snyder was hit with a federal RICO lawsuit for the Flint water disaster. This was not, and I want to be real clear, this was not by the federal government where he might be charged criminally, uh, but it was a civil case that uh, was filed by uh Thousands, uh, what they say, uh, hundreds of residents from the Flint area, I guess it was. Thousands have been affected. Uh, so they got with a competent legal counsel, and they have filed this. Now, it is in process, to my understanding, and it is uh, working its way through the system. There's a lot of back and forth that goes on where they have interrogatories and other things that they do back and forth. And we haven't seen a scheduled hearing out of this at this point. And we'll, we'll be watchful for that to come up uh, in the near future. Uh, so that's the update on Governor Snyder and his mess that he has. Now, I want to make real clear, this is the Republican Governor Snyder that did this to the Flint community at large, to a lot of our members who live in the city, their children that live in the city, and their grandchildren, in some cases their great-grandchildren, that live within the city of Flint. So this isn't just the community at large. 
we have a lot of members that, that live there, and we have a vested interest in sticking up for these people, all of them, the whole entire community. So uh, when things go bad, uh, we really need to report on them. And uh, this is something that, you know, is uh, not good for working men and women. Uh, and some pretty disparaging comments were made by the governor when this first came out, something to the effect that, uh, well, they couldn't get any dumber over in Flint. Uh, so that's not not at all appropriate when this sort of thing is going on. So uh, but having said that, uh, that's sort of the update on the Flint issue. Uh, I know we yeah, have like some more issues that there. A bit. Go ahead, David. Um, what happened in Flint is just terrible. Um Nobody can nobody can refute that. Um, a lot of people don't know in Michigan. There's a lot wrong with the water here. Um, it's not just the flat water. It's our inland lakes too. Um, you know um, yourself because you've been kind of close to this situation. We've been dealing with a party close to the tighter administration, and. Uh, We've seen his nonchalance um, opinion of uh, the chemicals that we put in our inland lakes. Um, I just wanted to add that. Um, so we do have a, a serious issue in the Snyder administration, not just with the Flint water, but we, with also with our inland lakes across Michigan where we're putting chemicals in them. Yeah, that's not turning out to be good for us. Um, so I, I would just like to add that. And that's that's all I have to say about that later on. Okay, David. Let me just I'll 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 let the uh, listeners know what you alluded to there. Uh, without going into the specifics, there's a lake in western Lower Michigan that is having some issues with weed weeds and the uh, uh, the lake board is responsible for a lot of things in the app uh, 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 and it's carrying out of its duties as a lake board and they seem to have focused on weed control in, in its entirety uh, citing some uh, language that has nothing to do with the Michigan laws. It's called the Michigan Compiled Laws. Uh, and it goes into some detail about uh, boating and fishing and swimming, skiing, uh, all manner. Of, uh, and, you know, that the lake remain uh, clean, reasonably clear, and free from noxious weeds. Uh, but there's a lot of things. And uh, they've seemed to have gotten stuck on uh, just that this is a weed control problem, and the the real issue is um, uh, that uh, there seems to be a lot of chemicals put into this lake, and they might not even be needed because of what's coming into the lake in the way of nutrients and uh, minerals, in particular nitrogen is coming into the lake from upstream. And uh, uh, so we have uh, that uh, issue out there. Uh, more importantly, uh, the whole attitude of the board is quite cavalier in their handling of the public and uh, almost, uh, well, uncaring to the fish and wildlife uh, around the lake. Uh, turtles and uh, you know amphibians, some things like that uh, that are disappearing. Uh, and as David alluded to, uh, at least one of these people is a part of the Snyder uh, administration. Uh, and you would think that somebody that's just gone through this at the higher level in the state, the highest level in the state would be a little more diligent in finding out what we have done, David's done, 
finding a baseline of what's actually going on with the lake and then acting appropriately from that point forward. And that's what you do when you have a problem. You find out what's actually going on and not just keep throwing money at it to kill weeds with uh, herbicides. Now, remember, uh, Agent Orange of Vietnam era was a herbicide. And the men and women came back with all manner of problems with them. And they're just pouring herbicides into this lake and a number of other lakes. But this one is the one that seems to be our focus at the moment. So having said that, uh, the idea that administrations, having gone through a real bad thing in Flint with the water, and now are cavalier in their approach to what's going on in in another part of the, the state in a water environment again is just you know unconscionable you, they just don't get it they haven't got it and uh it's just sad that that's going on and so uh we're we're disappointed in that but uh that's a little follow-up to david's uh, uh issue regarding water in another part of the state and it's as big an issue as it is over in flint it's just not as public just yet. So, and how much it's affected the humans is yet to be determined. So, that, you know, that's still being, uh, the, you know, uh, investigated. So, uh, we'll we'll see. Just stay tuned. We're on top of this. We're right right on the cutting edge of that one. So, we've been going to a lot of meetings over it. We got another one coming up real soon. Uh, having said that, Dave, you got anything else on that issue? Nope, I'm good on that one, Roy. Okay, all right. So that's the uh, um, uh, the Snyder Rico lawsuit about the water in Flint and some other water issues here that they seem pretty cavalier about. Having said that, I'll send it back to Dave. I think you have some more uh, report or education to do on the uh, Ford door latch. Is that right? Yeah. Um, okay. Talk about. I want to talk about this, Leroy. Um, Ford is announcing um, more recalls um, of their vehicles for door latch issues. Um, they uh, have, uh, oh, this is going back now. Um, some of these are, uh, well, they're going back into 14. Um, covers so far today 2.5 million vehicles. Um, they're going to be offering a free one-time replacement of a broken door latch for vehicles in areas not covered by the recall. Um, some areas, um, they don't have the same ambient temperature um, that other states do. So they're not uh, doing the um, recall in states where the ambient temperatures are lower. But if you have a problem with your vehicle, um, absolutely Ford will do a one-time fix and replace that door latch for you. Um, the uh, latest recall um, encompasses, uh, now this actually goes back to the 13 through 15 Escape, Focus, and C-Max, um, the 2014 through 16 Transit Connect, the 2015 Mustang and Lincoln MKC, but only in states with the higher ambient temperatures now. And we're talking about solar solar loading. Um, solar loading refers to the increase in a vehicle's interior temperature from the sun's heat. And uh, so these states are Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, California, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, Nevada, Oklahoma, Texas, Utah, Oregon, Washington, in addition to um, 766,682 vehicles in the U.S., it also is covering 61,371 vehicles that are in Mexico. The issue with this um, door latch is with a prowl spring tab and the side door latch that can break. Um, it can either prevent the door from latching or cause it to unlatch while you're driving. So it's a very dangerous condition to be having. Um, there's been um, um, some 
minor um, injuries caused um, by the door being thrown open into people and also damaged uh, vehicles, uh, you know, when the door flies open. Um, but um, we have a very educated opinion um, that the manufacturer of these door latches um, has their headquarters based in Europe in two European countries. And uh, I'd like to say that uh, when a part is manufactured, a blueprint is created, and then the part is built to that print. And after the part is produced, then it's put into testing. And I've seen this testing before, no for proving grounds. And uh, doors are opened and closed hundreds of thousands of times to see how these products um, perform. It's not just door latches, it's seats, glove box doors, um, every part of the vehicle. And they come up with um, a rate of fail or pass. Um, and what's acceptable. And then something happens. Um, after the part goes into production and the cars or vehicles are being made, games begin to be coming to And uh, when that happens, then we end up seeing these recalls on the vehicles. And when we have these um, parts in-house, most of the time, we would catch a defect on a part Within a couple of days, maybe three, and contain it. And it didn't get out into the public, and we didn't see the kind of recalls that we see today. Um, these recalls that we see today have costed <laughs> just ungodly amounts of money. Um, this recall alone um, for this door latch is going to be an estimated $270 million incurred by the company to fix them. Now, that $270 million is enough money to bring all of our workers up to tier one wages for one year. Uh, we're losing money, uh, our members, uh, because of these recalls. And uh, our union needs to be looking at this um, because that's a lot of money. And it's not the only recall. There's been airbags that amounted to a serious amount of money. Um, Mary Barra, she was uh, willing to um, ante up uh, $2,000 to the GM workers prior to uh, negotiations. Um, that was a little stepping to soften the uh, auto workers up to accept a uh, um, competitive agreement, I would, I would say. The union wants to call it a, um, a CBA, but uh, I want to call it a competitive agreement because, you know, we're already starting to see here um, in the United States that uh, the auto boom is built on $1 billion worth of uh, consumer loan and debt. We've seen stock prices drop, and we're holding the bag for uh, big-ticket products, pickup trucks in general. Um, yeah, they're the profit makers. When gasoline goes up to $4 an hour or $4 an hour or a gallon, um, those vehicle sales are going to slow down. And uh, this growing procedure from... Um, step one to top pay in eight years that they were promised. Well, ladies and gentlemen, contract runs for four years. All bets are on us after four years. So, um, it's about what I got to say about these door latches, Leroy. Um, I'm looking at that $270 million as money out of our, our members' pockets. Um, I don't know how you feel about it. 
but I know we didn't have these problems with uh, our parts when we built them in house. Well, that's correct, David. It's called uh, uh, being uh, vertically integrated. Uh, when we were vertically integrated, yeah, there were some recalls because of some engineering issues, but never because of the employee members uh, doing anything uh, that caused us to get out of hand. Like you said, you know, it, it might go an eight-hour shift or 24 hours, a couple of days at most before you catch it and, uh, you know, get it back in, in uh, to uh, spec in the blueprint. Uh you know, that, that blueprint was also held to a high standard when it was in-house. There were not games played between two and three parties to try and affect a greater profit because they start playing, <coughs> pardon me, playing games with the, uh, uh, the, the blueprint. Uh, and we all know what that is. We're not going to get into specifics or challenge or charge anybody with any anything like that, but... What does occur when these things happen, and we saw it with the key uh, when we had the ignition switch with uh, General Motors, they had adjusted the print, you know, after the fact. And these are all supposed to be done uh, with approval from the uh, uh, federal government. Uh, and you have to make sure that they're appraised of any such changes in a, a approved blueprint after it's actually been approved. It's actually illegal to do that. And we didn't see anybody go to jail, but probably somebody should have. Uh, having said that, here we are over to Ford, and we have this door latch problem, and it's a big recall. Uh, it has nothing to do with the members of the UAW. There is no... Absolutely not. Nothing. There was no malfeasance. There's no sabotage. Nothing. Our members are clean when it comes to this issue, and we have done nothing wrong, nor will we accept blame for anything regarding this. Having said that, uh, it is going to cost about 270 additional a million additional dollars. So this this is a lot of money that will pay to bring everybody up to tier one for nearly a year. Everybody in the whole structure could have been brought up. Now, that's the second time we've talked about this uh, in a recall uh, with regard to Ford. We had some stuff. Um, I'm sorry. That was a General Motors thing. But as these recalls occur, you know, and they're costing hundreds of thousands of dollars, they didn't save that much when they played games. And that's money out of our members' pockets. And when they start to resource, because they outsourced all this work, when they start to resource it and get back to what's called vertical, vertically integrated, then you will start to see these things disappear. Because once the company, corporations, any one of the Detroit three that we represent or anybody else that we're representing gets vertically integrated and they have control over their process, then they will not have those blueprints having games getting played with them by two and three other parties trying to get extra profit out of this system. And they just do it in-house, pay the people properly, and it gets done, and we have high-quality product leaving, and we can enjoy the benefits of higher wages that do not cost the company any additional money. And that's the key. We want to share in the monies that the corporations are making. And we want to help to get them to the point where they do not have extraordinary recall costs, scrap costs, or first-time quality costs. So having said that, we, we surely, surely need to make some changes within these corporations. They need to start learning how to run a car company truly running a car company because there's dollars going out the back door unnecessarily and they should be winding up in our members' pockets. And that's about what i got to say on that issue, David. Um, you got anything else on that, Ford? I think we covered it pretty no. well. 
Yeah. I think okay. we did. Thank you. Um, I mean, this, this. I don't. I don't want to demean this company unnecessarily. I think you know they. You know they have a, a great design, a great engineering product that they've done. You know we're not necessarily mad at them, but somebody played some games along the way. We're not sure who or what or exactly how or anything, but it's cost us recall, and that's money out of our pocket. Okay, and we ought to be building them products in house. And then we'd have control of that. Henry Ford did this back, you know, back in the day. He got tired of people holding him up. Well, the DeSoto family started a brake issue, as I recall. And he, uh, uh, you know, just said, okay, I'm going to start making everything in-house. And he did. From the steel, the only exception was the uh, rubber tires. He made the steel right there in the, in the Detroit area. But the uh, the tires were about the only exception that he had, and he had a deal with uh, you know the Akron, Ohio uh, entity down there, and a couple of them. So they they you know got their rubber tires from them. But pretty much everything else, your your brakes, uh, your 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 wheels, everything he made in house. It's called vertically integrated, so that you understand. And once you get vertically integrated, you now control your own process. And those games do not get played. You will control it inside, in-house, maintain the integrity of the blueprint that's been approved by the federal, your staff and your own uh, quality control and the federal government. You know, these things get tested hundreds of thousands of times to the point of failure. And that is usually well beyond the normal course of a lifetime of use in a car door. Okay, and if they just build them to the print, this would have never been a problem. So, uh, you know, games get played, you know, and uh, again, we're not mad at this company because I think we think that they uh, in having discussed some of the things uh, behind the scenes. Uh, there is more to this. There's a backstory uh, that this uh, is uh, we not at liberty to talk about, but this company is uh, – you know, uh, first-class company. Uh, we're just, you know, unhappy with the performance at this time. So we enough said about that. Haven't said that. So uh, the last issue I think we have on the agenda tonight, uh, and there's one more that's a late item that I'll cover briefly, because it's so late that uh, we were really still uh, finding out some of the information on it, um, but. Um, I want to talk about the, the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership just a minute. We have included that as uh, there's a meme on the slideshow as it's going around, and you probably see it. Uh, and it tells you what's going on a little bit. Tuesday, the Senate is going to have a vote for Fast Track. Pay attention. Tuesday, in less than 48 hours, the Senate is going to have a vote to fast-track Trans-Pacific Partnership. That means it'll just go wink and a wave in Congress. It's already passed by the, the fast-track has already passed the House, and it's in the Senate now. And if this does pass the Senate, it's a wink and a wave and a sign, okay? Wink and a wave and a signature, pretty much. It'll be an up or down vote, both houses, uh, and then off to the president. A signature, and we've heard him speak in favor of it for at least two years. He actually brought Bob King, remember him, and to to give a stamp of approval, to give a stamp of approval like he did for Korea. Yeah, you know this is another one of the geniuses down there, the Solidarity House that we keep hearing about so much. And we saw him and walking hand in hand in Korea with uh, Obama, and uh, I believe, right? Um, he also right. made a trip to Washington on Air Force One too. Yeah. Well, our our since the Korea trade agreement, our trade deficit with Korea has more than doubled. I think it was 12 billion, and now it's like 26 billion. Thank you very much for all of those of you geniuses 
that came along and said that's a good trade agreement for the United States, including Bob King and the rest of the support from the IUAW. So, uh, but Fast Track is uh, upon us right now in the Senate. Uh, I got to tell you that there's a, a website out there that you can sort of uh, go to. Uh, the name of it is sort of go to. <laughs> you better go to it if you're going to try and stop this. The name of it is www. At three W's. One or with a period, and then it says stopfasttrack.com. Stopfasttrack.com. All one word, no spaces, no hyphens. And then when you get there, you're going to see that they're going to ask you, this is urgent, the House just snuck fast track through, and now just eight undecided senators are our last hope of stopping it. This is what this says. We are organizing a last-ditch petition, and we are delivering it, delivering it in person to the Senate on Monday. That's tomorrow, ahead of the expected Tuesday vote. Sign this petition and tell your senator. Okay, so uh, we uh, yesterday we put up how to contact your house rep, but it appears that that's a little late now because they snuck it through on us. We're going to have a campaign to contact your house rep. Well, now we're here fast tracking this thing, and it's in the Senate. Okay. Uh, and this little comment here says, if you vote yes on Fast Track, we pledge to vote against you in the next election. In your name, your email, street address, and zip code, sign the petition. The eight senators, I'll go through them here. The eight senators who are undecided at the moment, there are only last hope. Eight out of 100. Okay, let me go through their name. Michael Bennett. Senator, United States Senator Michael Bennett, D from Colorado. His phone number, 202-224-5852. The next one is Senator, United States Senator Tom Carper, D, Delaware. His phone number, 202-224-2441. There's eight of these people. I'm a quarter of the way through, so bear with me. This is, this is as important as it gets. This will set up a, this TPP is this bad. It'll set up a court system where the only people that can sue in their little private court is corporations. There's no union representation or ability to sue in this court. It will sink, it will, I'm sorry, it will censor the Internet, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Censor the Internet. Think what that means to you. You users that want everything at your fingertips immediately, every day. This will censor it. Limit it in large part. Third person, United States Senator Chris Coons. D from Delaware. Two of them from Delaware. The next one. United States Senator Ben Cardin, D, from Maryland. D means Democrat. Phone number 202-224-4524. The fifth person that's, helped, that's undecided and needs a little attention from us, no matter where you live in the United States, feel free to call these people, especially if they happen to be your representative. United States Senator Heidi Heitkamp, D, North Dakota. Phone number 202-224-2043. The sixth person that's a friend of ours trying to help stop the TPP but needs some reinforcement from us. United States Senator... Jeannie Shaheen D. New Hampshire. Phone number 202-224-2841. I can't tell you how important this is to get this done. 
brothers and sisters and listeners at large. This affects everybody in this country. You want to hear more sucking sound? Let them pass this one. Ross Perot, wherever you're at, thanks for having the insight, brother. Seventh one, United States Senator Ron Wyden, D, as in Democrat from Oregon. Phone number in the United States Senate is 202-224-5244. And the eighth, but not the least of which is a friend, is United States Senator Mark Warner, D, Virginia. Washington phone number, 202-224-2023. Now you'll see all of that in this link that's posted on the, the, uh, the slideshow that's going around right now as you're listening to us and kind of watching the slideshow. It's one of the slides in there. But you can also find it on a couple of the web pages in the Facebook page. It's up near the top and working for a living. I think I actually pinned this to the top at Working for a Living with that meme there. And you click on it, and it will take you to this page, stopfasttrack.com. And then lower, it says, if you really don't want to do a lot of work, okay, and don't know exactly what to say, maybe you put your phone number in this little box down lower on the page, not all the way down, but lower on the page, and you put your phone number with your area code and all uh, seven of the other digits, and then you click Call Congress. And what they do, they'll call you back, and they'll tell you pretty much what to say when you call Congress. Okay? It says, enter your phone number below. You'll get a call from us. We'll tell you what to say and connect you to your rep whether it's anybody, you know, because that will get you, if you're in Michigan, and be Gary Peters and United States Senator Deborah Stabenow. Debbie Stabenow, I guess she goes by. So um, both I've worked with in the past and are good people. I believe they're opposing this. But, you know, everybody in this needs some reinforcement. Keep them in, in, uh, you know, in the the slot where they need to be here, this this, – vote no against it. So uh, this is for the fast track authority, okay? And there will be a lot of people say, well, it's just for fast track. doesn't mean anything. Well, it does because you get a fast track and then you all of a sudden have a couple people get sick, can't make it. Then you start having problems and it gets through and Obama's going to sign it, okay? This is a bad, bad bad, and you've heard Jeff talk about this at length, both of them that are being negotiated across the Pacific and across the Atlantic, and Jeff has talked about those, and we love him for doing it, but you as a membership and as our members and as our listeners need to act on this immediately. Tonight, first thing in the morning, you need to reach out and tell these people, hang in there, we're with you. And please be with us. Okay? It just so happens that the people that are most likely going to help us all have D behind their name. Okay? Might be some R's there, but they're not in this situation here. All right? They're not in the the situation where we really got to support them. Having said that, uh, you got anything on that, David? Yeah. Um, on the issue of uh, President Obama, um, it's been a mixed bag for labor. Um, seated some, he seated how uh, many? Uh, just one uh, Supreme Court just or uh, I'm talking about labor board. He seated two, didn't he? During his presidency, uh, I'm thinking National he had Relations a, a, Board. Yeah, I think he did three. I think he did three. Three? Yeah. Okay. He had, yeah, he had okay. a, um, uh, he, he did them in a recess uh, appointments, I believe. They, they be, and that became quite controversial, too, by the way. So. Yeah. And, uh, well, he saw us through um, 
the bankruptcies. And uh, one thing that sticks in my mind um, was his last uh, State of the Union address. He made this statement, I don't have any more campaigns to run. And he kind of chuckled. And then after that, he began to push the TPP. Um, also attached the rollback of 40 years of ERISA law to his omnibus budget. And we nearly saw the Teamsters um, retirees lose half their pensions. I just don't understand um, how these presidents in their lame duck session, in their lame duck year, last year, turn on us like they do. And I'm disappointed in um, President Obama for those issues of the ERISA um, and the other issues that I spoke of. Um, that D behind the name means something, and Labor's always supported it, and they need to be supporting us. And this Trans-Pacific Partnership is just terrible. It's not going to be a good. So I would hope that everybody takes Leroy's advice, get on the phone, contact these legislators, and um, let them know how you feel. Also posted to our page, on uh, working for a living is um, the link where you can reach all of these um, congressmen, senators, um, every one of them, um, just by zip code. Um, so that's there. If you want to join our page, um, we'd be happy to bring you on. And uh, all this information is there available for you. Right, that, that post is pinned at the top, so you really can't miss it. Uh, you know, all you have to do is click on it, and it will take you over to this uh, stopfasttrack.com, and then you can do what we just I just articulated to you. Uh, either call them or, have, you know, put your name in the little box down at lower on the page, click send, and then they'll call you back and fill you in on really what, you know, uh, if you're uncomfortable, they'll fill you in on what uh, you need to say. Nobody's going to tell you what to say. They'll just give you the education required to let you make an informed call. Okay? Nobody's telling anybody what to do here. This is in our best interest. All of us collectively, union members in the UAW, union members in any union, and the general public at large. This is in our best interest in the United States. We saw what happened with NAFTA and GATT. You heard me talk about that last week. We need to stand strong against this TPP and the other one coming, uh, the Transatlantic uh, issue over there that, Dave, or that Jeff has talked so uh, eloquently over time about. Uh, having said that, uh, there's one more issue, and I know we're getting pretty close to time uh, in an hour, but I, I really need to, to cover this uh, because it came out, uh, it was reported at 4.41 p.m. yesterday, I'm, I'm sorry, on Friday, uh, and it, it was a report about a Thursday ruling by the National Labor Relations Board. Unfortunately, it happens to be a case that was brought here in Lansing, Michigan. Local Union 5, Local Union 5 uh, of the Ask Me, A-F-S-C-M-E, Ask Me. I got a lot of friends over there, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of good people in that union, but they just had a decision go against them. Uh, and uh, this... Uh, president, the incoming president, a man by the name of Kenneth Moore, uh, made a directive that addressed laxity in his union. 
So I'm not exactly sure. We uh, do not have his directive at this time. We're trying to get that full decision uh, from the National Labor Relations Board. I can tell you the number is, uh, this. there was two cases, and this is one that was dismissed, but it also speaks to it. It's NLRB case 07-CA-05354-1. Michigan State Employees Association, MSEA, Local Union 5, of Ask Me. So that's not a UAW case. I'm actually sort of relieved to hear that they're not picking on us this time. And uh, But it is over there, and this union president seemed to be trying to get people involved and addressing laxity. Uh, we again, we don't have the full directive, but the NLRB ruled against him, and he's a local union president. So the NLRB does take these things up. Uh, so I don't know what he said in there that shouldn't be, but he said something that they didn't like, and that ruling went against him. So that's brand new, out late Friday afternoon. We just got word of that this morning. Thank you for helper there will give us a little help we appreciate it and uh, at the same time uh, you know we wish our brothers and sisters at local union 5 the very best as they try and get through this we're not sure you know it doesn't sound like his, his intention was at, at all bad when you're trying to address laxity so we're just not sure what he said and how he said it that they got ruled against in the National Labor Relations Board so uh, but having said that, uh, that's about all that we have here tonight. Uh, David, do you have anything else to say at all on any subject whatsoever? Nope, just wished uh, and uh, hope he gets better. And uh, I missed him on the show tonight. I always enjoy, Jeff. Oh, yeah. I echo your, your thoughts and concerns and well wishes for Jeff Brown to get better. And I and, uh, hope you're feeling a, a little perky there. Again, Brother Jeff, I know uh, it's been, this heat has just been killing you, uh, you know, so I know it's very hard on you. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, hopefully we'll get some relief, although it looks like 90 through the next week or real close to it. So hang in there, brother, and I hope you get better soon. Get get uh, back to Perky and, and back to the Jeff Brown we all know and love. Having said that, uh, uh, Let's give a shout out. Oh, well, you know, if if you found value in this show tonight, you know, maybe just the TPP thing might have, you know, caught your attention or the Ford uh, recall or how Oshawa Canada is doing. If you found value in this show, please just tell one more person about the show and so that they can, they can become uh, educated on issues that are current to labor uh, as well. So having said that, let's get a, give a hearty shout out to all of our friends around the country. Brook Park, Ohio, Flat Rock, where Jeff is at. Tondawan in New York, we got a friend, Roberta there. Lordstown, Ohio, I grew up there, just around the corner. You know, McDonald Niles, Gerard Liberty. Uh, we have uh, Flint, Michigan. Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Michigan, Toledo, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, St. Louis, Wentzville, Missouri, Arlington down there in the break room. We still hold our uh, heart and thoughts dear to you. We really appreciate uh, all of your listeners and your support. Sorry about what happened there at the beginning of November when you were all prepared to listen to somebody and that fell through. Arlington, hang in there. We haven't forgot you, and we made a promise to you in the middle of November last year, and that promise will come true. I, I promise you again. Chattanooga, Tennessee, our skilled trades brothers and sisters there, Doraville, Georgia, Santa Cruz, California, and everyone else around the entire country and the world who listen in. At least we forget our friends in Canada and in Mexico. Good night, everybody, and stay, stay, stay safe in the coming week. Good night, David. Good night, Larry. 
Have a good night, listeners. Have a good night, listeners. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. 